0: it's been good for Midwestern cuisine
1: (laughs) no one's eating noodles (laughs) FYI our equipment is ruined boy work is going to be so awkward tomorrow Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that gets away from wrong ideals and false standards of womanhood. I'm Kelly Kellyanne. And I'm
0: Tom Schneider. We
1: are properly married.
0: I see a good future for us.
1: Life is beautiful.
0: <laughs> it certainly is.
1: It is quite beautiful, especially when you're watching Titanic Blood and Steel, because holy shit, their lives are terrible.
0: They are, yes. Speaking of people whose lives are not terrible and awkward transitions, we have three new countries. Three? Three new countries to report this week. Yes. They are uh, Latvia, Venezuela, and Greenland. (gasps) I know.
1: Unemployed (laughs) in Greenland?
0: If you are unemployed in Greenland, why not listen to our podcast? It's free, buddy. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) During wow. this uh, time of the midnight sun and all that sort That's of thing. That's awesome, man. It is. It's I wonder exciting. why that
1: is. I, I mean, as you know, cousins, we thought we had topped out. No,
0: it seemed to have plateaued, but by maybe golly. Maybe it's that
1: it's summertime and people are traveling.
0: Yeah. So that, maybe
1: these are regular listeners in different countries.
0: I mean, I certainly assume that a good number of these countries are not, you know, those are not natives of the country that are listening. <laughs> yeah. But, I
1: don't know. It's interesting because I know... That Mr. Selfridge was seen in 99 different countries. Oh, yeah. How many countries total do we have? Do you know?
0: Uh, 117.
1: Okay. Uh, But I don't know how how many countries Downton Abbey has been seen in. Because you'd think it would be more. It's like a worldwide sensation. Well, and I would also
0: clarify that, you know, this is top-level domain names, which isn't quite the same thing as countries. Like, Greenland isn't a country. It's an autonomous region of Denmark, you know. Is it? Yeah, yeah, it is.
1: Wow, the more you know. Yeah,
0: well, study for the National Geography Bee, and some of your knowledge will not be out of date 20 years later. (laughs) But most of it will. (laughs) Right.
1: Much like the atlas you won.
0: (laughs) Yes, indeed. If you want to know where Czechoslovakia is, my atlas still thinks it's real.
1: (laughs) So, if you'd like to buy your ticket now for the up yours downstairs walking tour of our apartment, (laughs) that doesn't exist.
0: No. Uh, But pitch is a price. (laughs) I
1: don't know. Well, listen. (laughs) We're open to negotiation, but the standard answer is no. Right. Stay out of our house. (laughs) You weirdos.
0: But don't stay out of our inbox.
1: (laughs) Yes, please don't stay out of our inbox. Would you like to kick it off with our first telegram from a cousin, Tom?
0: Absolutely. Uh, It comes from Cousin Amanda, who writes... Dear Kelly and Tom, Whilst listening to your recap of Series 2, Episode 1, I heard you make a crack about graham crackers and whether or not they had been invented by World War I, the time when the show was taking place. While I am aware that this was likely a rhetorical question, and you probably already know all about graham crackers, I thought I would do a little research on the subject and inform any of our cousins who don't know about the origins of one of the most crucial ingredients of S'mores. Graham crackers, or Graham wafers as they were known at the time, were invented in 1829 by Reverend Sylvester Graham, a Presbyterian minister from New Jersey. The crackers were intended as a supplement to the Graham diet, a regimen of bland foods that replaced red meat for teenage girls and was designed to curb carnal lusts and self-abuse, a.k.a. masturbation. Incidentally, some young men were subject to the Graham diet, as self-abuse was believed to cause impotence. Another advocate of the bland diet was Dr. John Harvey Kellogg, who formulated cornflakes to achieve the same end. If another cousin has already written in on this subject, which they very well may have, a thousand apologies. In any case, I love your podcast. You guys are hilarious, and I can't wait to hear your recap of Titanic Blood and Steel. My mother just finished watching it, and now I'm thinking I'll have to rewatch it and actually pay attention this time. With regards, your honorable cousin, Lady Amanda, Countess of Greenbank.
1: Not Greenland. Right. Uh, thank you for writing, Lady Amanda. We do actually know about Graham Crackers. I know about it because Tom knows all about it.
0: (laughs) That's right, because in high school, in my, uh, junior year, I believe it was, I did a report on Sylvester Graham. Did you,
1: did you cover the self-abuse angle? Oh, yes. I mean, he was, he,
0: (laughs) he had sex on his mind, uh, quite a bit. Or you mean
1: not having it?
0: Well, I mean, the subject of sex Mm. was, uh, Very important to him. Uh, And he also believed that he had figured out why women were so stupid, which is that blood flow that in men went to the brain and women was redirected to their uterus. Uh,
1: Like through menstruation or just in general? Sort
0: of in general.
1: Really? That's quite silly.
0: Well, uh, that... He because was...
1: men's blood would get redirected to their penis.
0: And, uh, you like, know... Like,
1: involuntarily.
0: Right. Uh, and self-abuse is neither abuse nor a cause of impotence. So, <laughs> you know, he, he had a lot of wrong ideas. Graham crackers, however, uh, are indeed crucial for s'mores. So. They are.
1: And cornflakes are crucial for making uh, this one kind of baked chicken that my mom used to make. <laughs> So thanks, yes. planned diet
0: proponents Uh, it's been good for midwestern cuisine
1: (laughs) next we have a telegram from our devoted cousin beckett cousins earlier this week during recording for an upcoming podcast i said has no one seen the orange mocha frappuccino debacle from zoolander my friend leslie at work screamed i feel like i'm taking crazy pills (laughs) at a meeting A school mom referred to her son's photo face as Blue Steel, and today I listened to Rissoles and heard you say, It's a ship for ants! I had to fan myself. I'm going to see if Zoolander is on Netflix. The universe is trying to tell me something. Also, the third Olympic class liner was actually called the HMS Britannic. It went down also, sort of spectacularly, in 1916. It was meant to be called the Gigantic, like you said, but the PR thing was very, very bad after the Titanic incident. Wikipedia is very misguided in this, as in so many (laughs) things. Here is a more trustworthy source for this particular story. And Cousin Beckett sends us a Snopes link, which we will hopefully post on the Facebook page unless we forget. Uh, She says, Happy Fourth of July, Cousin Beckett. We got actually a lot of uh, telegrams on 4th of July. Oh, yeah. I'm assuming people were not adequately celebrating our nation's independence <laughs> and needed something to distract them.
0: Yeah. Um, and yes, Kelly says, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills at least once a week for as long as I've known her.
1: Also, obey my dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm little Cletus, and I'm here to talk to you about child labor. <laughs> movie's amazing. <laughs> not set in the Edwardian period. <laughs> we will not cover it. That. However, it does have David Bowie in it.
0: Well, <laughs> it's a rec- recommendation. Oh, my God.
1: Time. Has David Bowie ever been in an Edwardian era period piece?
0: I don't think so.
1: I mean, unless you count Labyrinth,
0: which <laughs> I don't. <laughs> right. I can't see how you could.
1: No, but like, you know, being all weird and aristocratic.
0: Yeah, no, I... Uh, with his
1: heterochromatic eyes. I'm trying to think...
0: He was in. He was in the Prestige, which is Victorian.
1: Ah, yeah. That's not Edwardian.
0: No, but it's at least close. I
1: want to see him get his decadence on.
0: Well, I'll I'll write him a letter. What do you want from me?
1: I don't think he's going to respond. <laughs> you should tweet at him. Uh, maybe, maybe I will. This has been my stock advice <laughs> to everybody this week. Who's like, I want to do blah 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 with a famous person. <laughs> like, tweet it. Yeah. They might care. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert: They won't care. <laughs>
0: Next, we have a telegram from Cousin Mary, who writes, Hey guys, I've been listening to your podcast since the beginning, and it never ceases to make me laugh out loud. Thus, unlike some other cousins, I try to listen in private, or at least around people that know me. The reason I'm writing is because in the most recent episode, you asked what Italians call beer, and if anyone listening was from Italy. Well, I'm not from Italy, but I've been living here abroad in Modena, Italy, since January. I'm a little sad to be going back to the U.S. July 15th. Anyways, I can tell you that Kelly was correct. Beer is, in fact, birra. Boom! We do manage to butcher bunches of other Italian words, however. Panino, parmigiano, etc. And, to contradict my first statement, I actually have changed my podcast listening strategies since arriving in Italy. I now listen on the train all the time and admittedly have fallen into the trap of laughing for apparently no reason in public. The Italians don't seem to mind too much. Thanks for the amazing show. Your three-part episode about the Titanic is the greatest thing of all time. Your dearest cousin, Mary.
1: You know why the Italians don't mind so much? Why? Because life is beautiful. <laughs> and
0: hilarious.
1: Also, what did Maggie Smith say about Italians? You can usually find an Italian who's not too particular. I believe
0: that's correct. Something yes. like yes. that. Yes, yes.
1: Well, not a very good Maggie Smith impression. No, while you're rusty. I am very rusty. Can I even say luncheon <laughs> and embroider a cat pillow? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, someday, McGee, Someday you'll be back with us. Oh,
1: uh, I'm excited. I know. I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. I did. I recently just got, like, really excited about <laughs> Downton Abbey <again>. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Well, because when, it, you know, when we finish a season, we're always so glad. We're like, oh, yeah. finally. <laughs> right. Just because we're so much more thorough with it. Yeah, yeah. And it takes up a lot of time. Then I'm like, ah, but McGee Mm -hmm. and Edith, ah. Anyway, we're excited. (laughs) Right. You don't, you know, we don't need to tell you. (laughs) Yes. Next up, we have a very passionate telegram from Cousin Clinton. Dearest cousins, it has been so long since I have written, but needed to send a post to say a couple things on this sad day the colonies revolted. yes. They are revolting. First, I decided to skip the Selfridge podcast until I had actually watched the show, since you seem to be enjoying it so. Second, World War Z is going on the reading list if I can get the damnable electric reader to work properly. Third, I was troubled by a comment from Titanic BS that Kelly repeated. Science is common sense. That is so plainly wrong that I had to write before I could even finish listening to the show. If science, which means knowledge in Latin, were anything like common sense, it wouldn't be science. Which makes more sense? The sun goes around the earth or the earth goes around the sun? Light is transmitted instantaneously, or it not only has a speed, but a maximum speed, and does not obey the usual laws of relative motion. A heavy object falls faster than a light object, or that they both accelerate at the same rate due to gravity, whatever that means, at 9.8 meters per second per second. No one thought the Earth was not at the center of the universe, meaning one turn, i.e. the rest of the cosmos turns around us once a day, until scientists such as Tycho Brahe, Copernicus Kepler, and Galileo Galilei proved that the Earth did orbit the Sun and that Jupiter had moons, etc., Science is, in fact, the opposite of common sense. Only when someone decides that the common sense fact doesn't quite make sense, even though everyone, including other scientists, knows it to be a fact, do we get a more real scientific knowledge. It's hard work and it never comes easily. Why would we celebrate Marie Curie or Albert Einstein or William Harvey or Jonas Salk if their work were common sense? I apologize for harping on this, but hoi polloi have little notion of real science and often take the wrong lessons from science. For instance, most people have no idea that the whole global warming debate is actually two entirely separate questions, and they usually get them mixed up and end up arguing over nothing at all. In fact, I dare anyone, including Stephen Hawking, to give me a definition for electricity that makes any sense whatsoever. But thank you for contributing to our enjoyment of literature, art, and yes, science. I always enjoy your perspectives and insights. Happy Colonial Rebellion Day, Cousin Clinton, that's okay. one of the more impressive emails that we've gotten. <laughs> and I have to say, I stand corrected about yeah. the uh, the common sense point. Yeah, I mean, I guess what I meant is less so that it's common sense than it's sensible. Mm-hmm. Since you know, even we hoi polloi have an understanding that science is something that can you know be tested and proven or disproven. Right. Granted, you know, there are still theories that are untested, but mm-hmm. We're not going to get into that right now. <laughs> no. This is a podcast about television. Right. Let's keep our priorities straight. Right. Uh, no, but I mean, I, you know, it is a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there are still people uh, right now who do not think that uh, science makes any sense.
0: Right. So. <laughs> yeah. So we, we don't want to uh, contribute to any, any any disrespect for science or any misunderstanding.
1: Yeah. Like, so. Our point was, we believe that Mark Muir's experiments with science are okay. <laughs> right. And that he should probably be listened to. Uh, Yes.
0: Next, we have a telegram from Cousin Charles, who writes, Hi, Cousins Kelly and Tom. First, I just want to tell you how much I enjoy listening to your podcasts, so much so that I actually went and watched the entire season of Mr. Selfridge, just so I would know what you guys were talking about. Now for the point of this carrier pigeon. Email. About a month ago, I watched a show on ABC about the relationship between modern-day servants and rich people that kept drawing parallels with Downton Abbey. I was left with wanting to see these parallels brought to life. My suggestion is to create a spin off called Downton Place, which would be set in Beverly Hills, California in 2013. The matriarch of the family is Sybil Branson, the great-granddaughter of the original Sybil and Tom, who is a high-powered, mega-rich head-slash-owner of a major Hollywood film studio. She is very similar to her great-great-grandfather, Lord Grantham, in that she is not very good with money. In a running plotline for the series, Sybil would keep investing in one Hollywood flop after another, which would eventually take the family to the edge of ruin. Sibyl would, of course, be married, possibly to another woman, with three sons of varying ages from toddler to young adult, and employ an army of servants, a personal assistant for each adult member of the family, a butler, maids, a nanny, drivers, cooks, and a reality show-winning chef. Another member of the family would be 93-year-old Sibby Branson, who just happened to marry a guy named Branson, so she didn't have to change her name. Sibby would be played by, wait for it, Maggie Smith in old age makeup. And if for some reason Maggie Smith isn't available for the role, the character could be created in CGI to a likeness of Maggie Smith. I realize that my idea has very little chance of ever being made, but should Baron Fellows ever appear as a guest on your podcast, please read to him this email. Your cousin, Charles. P.S. I know that you primarily review Edwardian dramas, but I would love to hear your opinions on the 2004 reboot of Battlestar Galactica. I just finished the series on Netflix and think it was one of the best TV dramas ever made. Although I still have many questions, especially about the final episode. Like, what the hell happened to Starbuck?
1: Stop drilling. <laughs> you hit gold. <laughs> Listen, this is an audio podcast. Oh, right. Right. I'm so glad that Tom had to read that email because I was laughing my ass off the whole time. This is amazing. This yes. is like Downton Abbey meets the L.A. complex.
0: <laughs> it is.
1: Were I a high-powered executive in the mold of civil Branson, <laughs> right? I would green like this. No questions asked. Yeah. Maggie Smith in old-age makeup. Or a CGI equivalent. Uh, yeah. What a damn genius you are. Uh, yeah. Somebody should just have her start looping dialogue for this <laughs> thing now. And then we can just use that as voiceover. <laughs> uh, I think this is incredible. Yeah. Uh, and for that reason, Charles, you've been named Cousin of the Week. Congratulations. Congratulations. Uh, go to screenwriting school, is yeah. what I would say.
0: Yeah. And uh, also uh, make some powerful friends, I suppose.
1: Yeah, definitely make some powerful friend. Tweet at some. Uh, yes.
0: Tweet at some. And uh, consider sleeping your way to the top. Yes, if, absolutely. If possible. You know,
1: the only reason more men don't sleep their way to the top is that there's not more vaginas on the ladder to success.
0: <laughs> this is true.
1: <laughs> uh, also, Battlestar Galactica... We've never watched it. We yeah. don't, like, really feel like we need to. This is true. I own a number of tank tops, so I <laughs> think I pretty much get what's going on.
0: <laughs> yeah, look, we watch a lot of television. We do. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and we can't really watch any more than we watch.
1: I know. <laughs> we <laughs> yes. watch a lot of it.
0: We've, we're pretty much maxed out.
1: Uh, yeah, let's see. What have been? We can tell them some recommendations.
0: Sure. Uh, we... Again,
1: reiterating. Not going to review these on the podcast. Yes,
0: none of these would be appropriate. Uh, But we have been watching uh, Orange is the New Black. Uh, We're about halfway through that one. We really
1: like that. That's probably it's probably tied with Top of the Lake. Yes, both of which are free streaming on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Uh, man, Top of the Lake is so good. Yeah, it's it's a very different tone. Right. Almost everything on (laughs) TV. Yeah. It's got a very Twin Peaks-ish vibe, but Elizabeth Mm -hmm. Moss from Mad Men is in it, and she's really good. Uh, Jane Campion, the writer-director of The Piano, uh, also wrote and directed this. Yes. Uh, But it's just fantastic. It's It's set in New Zealand. It's really dark. Yeah, It's like... Like,
0: both in, like... Co- plot content and the visual style yeah it's
1: just it's really really dark So yeah. just know that going in yeah like
0: it may be not everybody's cup of tea i really want to
1: rewatch it mm-hmm. but then i was like i do not want to feel as unsettled as i felt <laughs> after we binge watched <laughs> it in like a day <laughs> yeah uh orange is, the, orange is the new black is the new genji cohen series mm-hmm. uh she also did weeds which i have a variety of opinions on that <laughs> i won't get into right now yeah Uh, But this show is actually a lot better than Weeds, Mm -hmm. I think. I agree. Uh, And it's one of the most diverse ensembles of women that I think has ever been on TV or in a movie. Mm -hmm. Like, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, It's really well done. It's very nuanced. Uh, We're big fans of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we've also been watching, which we watched when it aired, but we just got the DVD of the first season of Avatar, The Legend of Korra. Book one, air. That's right. Um, which we love uh, with an undying love. Like, it's guess, an
1: undying love. Like, it's kind of sick yeah. how much we love that show. Right. Uh, we love that whole universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the show is kind of loosely based on 1920 Shanghai. <laughs> right. So we might find a way to try and recap that on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, we'll see what the Jazz Age looks like uh, right, on right. Downton Abbey and see what makes sense. Yeah. But, uh, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we watched the most recent season of Mad Men. We give it a resounding fart noise.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think it's a C, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like.
1: Yeah, that's a fart noise. <laughs> okay. I didn't say it was a pile of poo.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. I didn't. I, I don't fully understand the, the workings of your rating system.
1: Excrement rating system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen. That is not a fully thought out system, and I'm sorry for bringing it up in the first place.
0: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Uh, but we're also really stoked about the new season of Breaking Bad. Right. If you are as well, there is a podcast uh, that is put out by our parent network, Bald Move, at baldmove.com, called Breaking Good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can check out their recaps when that show comes back on August the 11th, Okay. I believe is the date. Uh, yeah, so that's where we're at with TV.
0: Yeah, just a little survey yeah. for y'all.
1: So that you know what's up. Yep. If you'd like to get in touch with us, right. you can send a carrier pigeon aka a tweet. We are at 5 Maggie Smith's that's at the number 5 Maggie Smith's. Mm-hmm. You can email us or send a telegram to upyoursdownstairs downstairs at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook merely by searching up yours downstairs.
0: That is correct.
1: exclamation point.
0: <laughs> and uh, th- there is one more show we're watching currently and that is Titanic Blood and Steel.
1: Woo-hoo! <laughs> yes. you no, know, there's been a lot of steel so far. Yeah. Looking forward to the blood.
0: Oh, that's right. Well, we might get it this time, as the episode is entitled "Stained Steel."
1: Wah, 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 <laughs> wah. Yeah. These are the jokes.
0: <laughs> that's apparently right. apparently that that. That's you know, bit... if
1: it's not a joke, <laughs> did somebody really think that was a great idea?
0: I, you know, somebody thought it was an acceptable idea. Somebody
1: thought this whole thing was a good idea.
0: <laughs> this is true.
1: So wait, okay. So this show was co-produced in Ireland and in Italy. Like, there's an Italian production company, right?
0: Okay, I, I think. Oh. I thought no. no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I that's that's you correct. You
1: paid attention to this kind of thing.
0: I paid attention to it when we first thought about this show like a year ago.
1: Okay. (laughs) I forgot that it had been out for a year. I can't believe it's been that long. It's been over a year since this came out. Right. I can't believe that we had it stored in our DVR this long. (laughs) We did. We just kept ignoring it. Right. Every time that I would try to watch America's Test Kitchen, (laughs) (laughs) that's a show we like. But right. only because we're pretty sure that Chris Kimball and Bridget, the bron- the blonde chef, have been banging each other for years.
0: That's that's our theory.
1: So if you agree, let me know. There is a surprisingly small amount of fan fiction about America's desk kitchen on the internet. Surprisingly? Yeah. <laughs> the one that I found is like some preteen, like in her fantasy of how she like gets to cook with them. It's in no way salacious. Okay. It's just like she's at this birthday party, and Chris Kimball's like, "Hey, cook some things," and she's like, "Okay." That
0: uh, that would admittedly be fun.
1: Fart noise. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Titanic, Blood, and Steel. <laughs> we open in the poor people's cemetery. Which I hadn't really noticed the first time in this cemetery, but, like, it's very poorly maintained and, like, a bunch of the tombstones have, like, fallen over and all this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But there are some... Yeah,
1: a cemetery.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Some of them are really nice.
1: Yeah, those are called, like, mausoleums or something, or cryogenics plants.
0: (laughs) They're just called cemeteries for rich people. I don't know what... (laughs) Anyway. Uh, But, yes, uh, the mysterious grave has some mysterious flowers on it.
1: Mark Muir is there with his piercing blue eyes. We should call him Blue Steel. Yeah.
0: Well, in his piercing blue suit. Yeah. And, uh,
1: and he's like, I see dead people but I go to the cemetery. <laughs> right. And then Bruce Willis
0: shows up. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he, he sees the flowers and he, uh, he uh, writes a note and sets it by the flowers, presumably saying, hey, stop leaving flowers on my mysterious grave. <laughs> jerk (laughs) find your own mysterious grave
1: (laughs) the flowers really class the join up
0: well no that's true at the shipyard or sort of in the uh the dressing room more or less like uh, yeah like the supply room yeah yeah um uh they're going for 450 tonight boys that's
1: rivets riveted right
0: i presume i can't think like 450 like plates would be a lot of plates. Yeah, so. I think
1: it's individual rivets.
0: That would that would I guess make sense. Well, they sense. seem
1: to be on some sort of commission-based thing.
0: Right, they're paid by the rivet or whatever that 450 represents, because they could use the money. They say.
1: And, uh, they have some banter. Yeah. A little some general banter that I think is supposed to make me sympathize with the plight of the common man.
0: Uh, they all like drinking and babies, But it's so
1: forced. <laughs> it's like, I don't believe you have ever met before, you guys. Because I'm like, okay. So they're like, oh, you know, Jamie or whoever sure does love his beer, and oh, by the way, how's your baby that you've presumably had for a while? Like... <laughs> It's the worst it is the worst central casting version of shipyard banter
0: i I suppose you're right i I've never worked at a shipyard. maybe they all are awkward like that
1: uh I guess it's possible I mean it is kind of like contract work, right so maybe yeah. maybe they weren't aware of the baby until recently
0: yeah could be i I really don't know. <laughs> nor presumably does fancy boy mark Muir, who is <laughs> i don't know why he
1: is a fancy boy he
0: is that's true
1: <laughs> i just see him like dancing a chick <laughs> for some old woman and like look at me dance my uh, fancy boy pants uh, they're blue he really needs an old lady patron he does i wish that this show was more like the last mistress By Catherine Brayot, and he was just, like, telling his life story to some sassy old broad. Yeah,
0: no, that that would be fine. But uh, old lady patrons generally patronize, like, artists and poets as opposed to metallurgists.
1: Uh, As if that is not an art. Just because he makes somebody else draw pictures of it for him, (laughs) it is still artistic.
0: Yes. Uh, One such picture he is looking at. He rolls out a giant picture of the Titanic... Impressively gigantic as it should be. And then Simple Jack comes in.
1: (laughs) (laughs) With some magic beans.
0: (laughs) Right. Which are, in fact, rivets. He says he's brought the rivets that he wanted, and Muir says, okay, just set them there. And he kind of just throws them all over the place. <laughs> he,
1: like, like literally <laughs> dumps the bucket. <laughs>
0: right. And then... They all fall on the floor because they're round and they roll.
1: No, and Mark Muir picks up, like, a handful of them while Jack just stands there, <laughs> slack right. Like, way to help him pick up your mess, Rivtar. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, uh, Simple Jack makes... <sighs> Some sort of observation about the giant picture of a ship he has And uh, Muir will never pass up an opportunity to lecture somebody about steel It's, you know, it's his one passion in he's life He's
1: really got a problem He does It's really annoying
0: Right So he gives him a quick lesson, asks him about his father uh, Which Simple Jack has no father the, uh, He ran off
1: The uh, bastard
0: The bastard ran off a few years back
1: And Muir understands, he's like, ah, Yes my father's a bastard as well.
0: <laughs> yes. So, I, so he, uh, he gives him a tip. He's like, here, this will make up for your lack of a father.
1: See ya. <laughs> <laughs> well, Simple Jack uh, probably doesn't know any better. Yeah, it's probably he true. like, you're right. I feel much better now. <laughs> I didn't understand the lesson that he gave Simple Jack, so I feel condescended.
0: <laughs> uh, the ship can bend. That was pretty much it
1: Right But I didn't understand In what way The picture that he drew The
0: picture did not help
1: I don't think That Kevin Zegler Or whatever his name is Yeah uh, Who's playing Piercing Blue Jesus (laughs) Jesus of Steel Yeah I don't think he was given Adequate direction On how to draw (laughs) That particular phenomena
0: Fair enough so having gotten Jack out of the way He heads up on up to uh, Miss Silvestri Sophia
1: Ooh la la Yes
0: And he approaches They make sexy eyes As they always do And uh, he asks her to draw something for him
1: <sighs> And then uh, Hatton the Younger Yes uh, Or as I like to call him Sean Bloody Walsh Because <laughs> the faces that he makes Remind me of Alan Cumming In Circle of Friends Fair enough he is like, you know, what, like are you stepping to my bitches now? <laughs> like you already live at my parents' house. You're eating my food. Right. Now you want these ladies. And uh piercing blue Jesus is like, I need to engage this young woman to draw a picture. I wanna have my cock next to my <laughs> microscope and see which one's bigger. <laughs> I think it was the Dowager Cousin Jackie was writing on my Facebook wall about how... Or she may have just posted this, but that she's shipping mirror and the microscope. Yeah. So what is it? Miroscope? Uh, yes. Telemir. He
0: he refers to it as his miroscope. <laughs> I cut to hubbub. Commotion. What? Steel. What? It's just general ship construction oh, going on. But suddenly it is announced that there's been a lockout at Stokes Yard. Oh, dear. Uh, So the people, you know, down tools and head out and head on over to Stokes Place with Steve and Bake as usual, just sort of like, hey, don't do that, as everybody (laughs) ignores him.
1: That poor guy. (laughs) Yeah. He just wants to crack some skulls.
0: (laughs) Uh, They all grab some rivets as they go, which uh, Simple Jack is informed is Belfast confetti, which is, uh, that's... That's, I, I like that. I do
1: like that, too. Yeah. I uh, can't help but think that birthday parties in Belfast
0: <laughs> must be a bit of a painful ordeal. Few make it past the age of 10 in Belfast.
1: Due <laughs> <laughs> to controversial birthday party practices.
0: <laughs> uh, at Stokes Yard, which is a coal yard, some scabs are scabbing it up. Uh, working in the in the locked out place And uh, so all the workers From the Titanic yard Come over and are uh, Shouting at them And throwing rivets uh, In their general direction
1: I'm riveting your general <laughs> Yes
0: Fortunately Sir Davos labor organizer Shows up <laughs> And uh, he immediately
1: Is that like Xeno warrior
0: <laughs> in, a, in a way Yes <laughs> uh, He does I mean he is Quite powerful. Like he shows up and he's like, "Hey, everybody, calm down," and they all calm down. It's true. You know, he's
1: a very convincing speaker. He
0: is, and it's just impressive because you 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 get a bunch of men around like with an excuse to be violent and try to stop them from being violent. Like Mm -hmm. that's tough.
1: It's true, and they were calling the scabs "filthy scabs," which I thought was unnecessary since all of these union guys are exactly as filthy as scabs.
0: (laughs) That's true. They're all just filthy poor
1: people. Mm -hmm.
0: But yes, Davos.
1: Oh man. He tells the scabbers that uh, their tools are the tools of Judas. Mm -hmm. And you see their faces and they're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like people used to really take being called a Judas seriously. Yeah. Like so seriously.
0: No. And it's really good. He's like, I understand what brought you here, but no price is too high is so high to be worth betraying your brothers. Mm -hmm. And they're all like, you know what? Sold. Union. Let's go.
1: Uh, yeah, so as the scabs filed out I was like, you know, ironically None of the scabs got any lines So they probably aren't actually In the actors unit
0: <laughs> It's true They all just traded looks for a while And mm-hmm. that, that was enough to Yeah yep. So in the uh, boardroom Peary is uh, troubled by the situation Obviously, as a captain of industry But one of the other people there I
1: think This thing is like a Like a lieutenant of industry
0: um i don't know maybe andrews
1: okay yeah that's fair
0: (laughs) um but yeah another guy there who we think is stokes although maybe that's another hatton i forget now
1: i he he was not hatton okay because i believe no there's carlisle who owns one of the things okay but then Hatton is somebody else. Well, no, I'm sorry. Okay. I think Carlyle owns the factory. This is Rich Kitty's dad.
0: Okay, yeah. Carlton. Carlton? Yeah.
1: Good Lord. It's okay. Oh, right. Sir Richard Carlyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm mixing my universes. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, okay. So Carlton owns the factory. Factory, no,
0: yeah, it's but a, he doesn't it's,
1: own the shipyard. Yeah, it's so Carlton then this Electrical is, okay. is his
0: business, so whatever that means. So then
1: this is Stokes. I'm sorry. Okay, well, it's really isn't it funny how all captains of industry look exactly the same? They
0: do. Well, all the mean ones do. All the anti-union ones look yeah. pretty much like each other. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but in any case, whichever this guy is, he is really uh, he's reactionary. Very much and so. He and and Peary is in fact quite liberal for a captain of industry he says that you know maybe the working man has a point you know what if maybe you know we shouldn't provoke him and it's like what do you mean provoke him and they say lock him by locking him out by keeping him out of his place of business and the guy goes his place of business this is my yard and i was like eh, well that
1: i was kind of hoping that that derek Jacoby. by the way we think it's jacoby
0: yeah uh, per wikipedia
1: which could be wrong right Uh, We didn't consult with Snopes. (laughs) Right. Uh, I would have liked to have seen him respond, like, uh, okay, then you go fucking dig the coal. (laughs) Yeah. Or whatever it is that they were doing.
0: Right. But I mean, you know, it's not like he would have changed his mind regardless. I know. Um,
1: I'd just like to see Derek JDB get his licks in.
0: Yeah. Uh, Up in the the drawing office or whatever that office is that Sylvestri works in. Anagon fills her in on what's been going on. I don't know if we mentioned, did we mention how- I don't
1: know if we did, but she looks just like Anagon. Like... From Breaking Bad and Deadwood. Yeah. Except, like,
0: more so? Right. Like, it's insane. Like, because I didn't, I don't, maybe well, the...
1: particularly, like, early period Anagon before she got all that work done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's like, I don't know, it's like if her head looked more like a foot. <laughs> I, no, I find this woman, like, I find her to be, like, really unattractive. I never All thought right. that Anna Gunn was especially attractive. But this woman just looks like her chin grew It's like Jay Leno and Anna Gunn had a baby. Wow. Yeah.
0: That is unlikely.
1: Uh, <laughs> I agree, but stranger things have happened. True enough.
0: Uh, anyway, so they now know what the labor situation is. In the Muir cave, Mira is having himself a steel party
1: do not understand what they're paying him for. <laughs> he just sits around heating up steel, looking at it. I'm like, this has no practical application.
0: Look, yeah, and it's just what he'd be doing anyway at home. Exactly! He'd just be, like, finding steel places and be like, I wonder what this will happen to the steel if I burn it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tenement housing burns to the ground. <laughs> Steel genius blamed.
0: (laughs) It's not my fault this tenement was made of (laughs) non-steel.
1: He just wants to build himself a little steel town.
0: (laughs) But Sophia comes in, as requested, and they... Make sexy eyes as always. Oh, very. Um, this
1: is a particularly charged indeed scene.
0: Well, because she's hostile to him at first because he is management and she's worked up mm-hmm. about the labor situation, and they talk about it, and he eventually makes it clear that he's you know pretty liberal and basically on labor's side yeah. on this one. So she warms up to him a little bit, and uh, yeah, he, to
1: the point where I wrote Muir plus Miss Silvestri forever in <laughs> yes, my notebook. Indeed.
0: And uh, he, he lets her have a look in his microscope, if you know what I mean.
1: <gasps> By- she looks at the microscope. Yeah,
0: that's, that's what she does. But she sees... She
1: does not know how to use the microscope right. until he demonstrates.
0: Indeed. Well, microscopes are hard to use. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, it seems so simple, but they're, they're a bitch.
1: They are. But yeah, he wants her to draw what's under the microscope. Yes. Not a euphemism. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh i wrote down the phrase the only way to get them out is with my dick referring to the impurities in the steel that Muir has pointed out to miss silvestri <laughs> uh, note he does not actually say this <laughs> can read all about it in my upcoming titanic bs fan fiction Muir, scope and sophia a love story <laughs> all right at the local
0: pub which i saw the sign is called john kelly so i don't know if you call it like the john kelly like what do you say like we're going over to the kelly the the john
1: i think you say you were going over to john kelly's
0: i guess that's true
1: probably the proprietor Eh,
0: that makes sense who
1: probably lives upstairs
0: you and your knowledge of pubs
1: yep So
0: they're discussing labor strategy, the the labor gang, which consists of uh, Sophia and Anna Gunn and Michael, who's the head labor guy. And uh,
1: Walter is the name of the other guy. Yeah. Who I I, don't understand why he's not the leader. Right.
0: And he's definitely he's like sort of the... uh, He's the brains of this outfit, see. Well, he's like the commissar. He's the one that knows about the Bolsheviks and is like the sort of political and and more uh, militant. Yeah. Of, of and the Michael's group. a little
1: bit more pragmatic, yeah. so I guess that and more attractive. So.
0: Yeah, but like Walter talks about how Titanic could be like the battleship Potemkin, where the Russian Revolution started, but then Downer McBeard shows up. Um, <laughs> And is it down? Life guess,
1: is not the beautiful
0: That is his belief. Actually, I guess it shouldn't be McBeard because he's Italian. So
1: McBiera. Boom
0: <laughs> Well, but it's still the I was thinking like Beardarelli or something.
1: Uh Beardo Beardarelli and his
0: Beard of beards. Yes.
1: No. I was trying to make a Captain Corelli's Mandolin joke, Oh, like right. I did when we were watching the show. But yeah, it, didn't it was. Work. It was
0: funny then. I
1: know. <laughs> and we've had to make everybody sit through this horrible bullshit. Continue recapping.
0: All right. Uh, the next scene pl- takes place at uh, Hatton's House of Beige, um, <laughs> the Hatton residence. Mr. Hatton goes off somewhere ceremonial or something cuz he's wearing this dumb orange sash, but I don't know what the deal with that was. I don't know either. Um
1: some North Irish bullshit. Right.
0: And so Mrs. Hatton has a chat with Muir and uh, talks about how this all must seem silly to somebody from the mainland. Meaning this all, meaning like Protestants and Catholics mm-hmm. and their shenanigans. And
1: mainland meaning England. I guess like the fact that that is you know an island off the coast of Europe. Right. I know, it, look, it makes sense to them. But yeah.
0: Like. Well, but did he? Go, but was he, wasn't he? For, he was in New York though before.
1: But why would they call that the mainland?
0: I, she's kind of dumb. I don't, I
1: don't know. know. <laughs> I think the implication has been that he like was born and raised in Britain. Right, like, in I agree England, with that. I, but yeah. then came to Northern Ireland, like from New York or whatever. Yeah.
0: Well, in any case, that's the conversation. But I just can't see why had. anybody
1: in the UK would refer to America as the mainland. Yeah,
0: and I also don't know why she care about Mrs. Hatton yet. So that may.
1: The actress did a pretty nice job of oh, that. Oh, it's, it's scene. nothing like against
0: it's, her. I just don't.
1: Because she's like, oh, sometimes I think we're all mad. And then, you know, the Mad Hatter stands up and is like, switch places!
0: <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, no, shut up. Get out of here, you filthy Catholic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> twinkle, twinkle, little Pat. <laughs> How I wonder what you're at. Like a drunkard in the sky. I don't know how. Anyway, listen. Right. That's an offensive rhyme about Irish people. And so it is. Of which I am one. Uh,
0: right. <gasps>
1: oh. <laughs> I wonder if anybody else will ironically turn out to be Catholic in the show.
0: <laughs> it's it, The big twist in the last episode is that all of them are secret Catholics. <laughs>
1: This sounds like a terrible college production of a play of some kind. It's like they do Finnegan's Rainbow and at the end they all do some kind of slow-mo like Irish car bomb situation.
0: (laughs) The Pope shows up. (laughs) I don't know why I don't think the Pope was personally involved but.
1: Uh, I don't know what the Pope gets up to in his spare time. (laughs) Fair enough. I think he has an iPod nowadays. <laughs>
0: it's probably or true. the
1: old pope did. The new pope probably just has it on his phone. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Makes sense. So uh, somewhere in the offices, Muir is expressing concerns.
1: Do we not talk about Andreas being a bummer?
0: Oh, that's right. I just said he was a downer, but then we didn't really. Cause I think no, makes, no, no. You're right. He makes a you're good right. point.
1: Sorry to slow everybody down. Yeah. If you're like watching along for some insane <laughs> <scene>. reason, <Right. laughs> <laughs> like no, I just like to have the visual up while they're talking. So Andreas – Andrea? Andrea. Okay. Andrea is like, uh, yeah, 10 years ago in Milan, a bunch of idiots decided to unionize (laughs) and 30 of them got shot dead. Right. And Walter in his political fervor is not in any way deterred by this.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean what what happened in Italy was that they called in the, the army. To, to to bring down the strikers and
1: which is pretty common.
0: Well, I mean it is and it isn't. I mean because there's different, you know, in Britain and much like in America too, there's much more like reluctance to use the military in like domestically. Like it happens certainly, right, it's right. not unheard of, but it's it's there's a, more of a tradition of keeping the military out of law enforcement basically. Okay. So I mean I think there there's some sort of point to that. You know that said. Actually, that said, that's true in England itself, much less in Ireland, which had been at that point under military rule for 700 years. Right. So yeah. that's a good point.
1: Yeah. Anyways, I'm right. You're wrong. Nobody likes Andrea.
0: Well, <laughs> that we can all agree
1: on. Yeah. So he's like, Sophia, your dad wants us to come to dinner. And we're like, so you're living together? Like, what? <laughs> right. Right. Why you was at their house, dude? Yeah. Uh, She looks unhappy to go hang out with him.
0: Understandable Their
1: relationship so. is so weird to me, because every time he's like, oh, hey, stop hanging out with your fun, you know, anarchistic Irish friends and hang out with me. She just always looks like she has to, like, poo a little bit. Yeah.
0: Well, it's like, come with me. I'll tell you why everything is a bad idea.
1: Yeah. And she's like, oh, but some, my friends are optimistic.
0: <laughs> yes. And, but, so.
1: Mr. Muir showed me his microscope.
0: <laughs> yes. Soon they will all be dead.
1: Come with me. <laughs> Life is not a beautiful. <laughs> oh, but he says, who has the guns has the power.
0: Yes. Which is always a point to be remembered. Yes. That is very he true. he does
1: have a good point there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then we were talking about Mrs. Hatton. Yeah. She talks about how crazy they all are on that <laughs> island. And I'm right. like, it's not the wicker man, Mrs. Hatton. <laughs> Calm the F down.
0: <laughs> Isn't it?
1: Uh, has anyone been burned alive in a wicker man?
0: Not yet.
1: Spoiler alert. Somebody gets burned alive in a wicker man. In the wicker man. It's on the case.
0: That's, that's true. Uh, I assume that's true in the Nicolas Cage version as well. I just know there's something involving bees in that one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And Ellen Burstyn. right.
0: So. As I was saying, Muir is expressing concerns to Andrews, which is pretty much the sum of their relationship. Uh, but in this case, he says that there are impurities in the steel and that it is dangerously brittle. Um, and they kind of bitch at each other as as always. Because uh, Andrews says he will take it up with the appropriate people at the appropriate time. And Muir is like, no, I don't play by the rules. When I have problems with steel, I address them immediately.
1: <laughs> with steel in hand! <laughs> and by steel in hand, I mean my microscope. <laughs>
0: Which is made of steel
1: <laughs> and quite large in fact
0: <laughs> uh, so at a board meeting, they're discussing their concerns about the recent industrial action, as they term it. Uh, Peary is gazing wistfully out the window um, and he thinks that they uh, this this could be going on for a while, this industrial action they may be in for the long haul uh, and they discuss the fact that you know that there are this is going to cause problems for them. If the coal yard is closed, they can't get coal. And if, you know, their various supplies are dependent on these other factories continuing to function. And then somebody says, yes, and what if they decide to walk out here? And Peary wanders off and gazes at the model ship again. And that's the end of the scene. Because <laughs> he's like, what is this?
1: A ship for ants? <laughs>
0: Maybe we could just deliver this and say it's the Titanic.
1: No, no, no. We'll build a new ship. And we'll call it the HMS (laughs) Derelict. Cousin Beckett, I hope you're happy. (laughs) The
0: HMS Moderately
1: Sized. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't a Greek thing. (laughs) True enough. The Greek thing was go big or go to Hades.
0: (laughs) So... Somewhere in the shipyard Mir is wandering around Gazing pensively into the air And Sophia sees him And they chat about His problems and human nature And uh Just make a lot of eye contact Just mm-hmm. lots of eye contact
1: Uh Eye fuckery More like it
0: Yeah um, oh,
1: seriously, when are they going to make out? I am getting, like, seriously impatient. It's,
0: it's only the second episode, but Kelly. But it
1: feels like we've been watching this show forever.
0: Well, we've been watching it for, like, three weeks. And we've watched two episodes. <laughs> you know, if we, if we weren't too lazy to do two at a time. <laughs> and by lazy, I mean busy, to be fair. But, uh, yeah. yeah.
1: thanks, Tom. Yeah.
0: Yes. Oh, and rest assured, Anna Gunn saw the whole thing.
1: Oh, because I don't think she ever does her job.
0: Whatever her job may be, yes. She
1: is just constantly monitoring the labor situation, the eye-fucking situation. Well, you know what?
0: Most offices have a few people who seem to only function as the person that always knows what's going on. That's true.
1: They are an important part of any environment. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But anyway, she knows that Sophia and Muir are, uh, you know... Eye-fucking. Yes.
1: But Sophia's like, uh, no... We weren't, because if I say we weren't, clearly we're not. Right. Silly Sophia.
0: It's quite silly. (laughs) Note, however, that she doesn't say anything about Andrea. Like, even she can't delude herself that much. Who? Sophia.
1: To who? To... To Anna.
0: To anybody that might... Sophia gives no indication that she is already claimed by somebody.
1: Right? Even though everybody else like, kind of knows it, but like nobody right. else even like, talks about it. Like, yeah. They're like, they're like, we hate that guy. Yeah.
0: It's like, well, maybe he'll die.
1: <laughs> no, he's not in a dangerous industry.
0: No, he's not. He's
1: just making alfrescoes or whatever.
0: Yeah. But I don't know. He might kill himself. He seems kind of calm.
1: He does seem pretty depressed.
0: <sighs> anyway... Uh, in Peary's office, Andrews does in fact bring Mir's concerns to Peary, and I mean, and he takes them seriously. It's not like he blows it off because he doesn't like Mir.
1: No, and he fa- in fact does not even dislike Muir. He is just annoyed, I suspect, and this is not explicated in the scene because the show is not that good. <laughs> uh I suspect that there's a lot of the young Thomas Andrews in. The mm. young Mark Mirror,
0: mm-hmm.
1: who doesn't seem like he's that much younger than Andrews, to be perfectly
0: true. honest. True, that is true.
1: Um, and that's that's a well, casting issue. I guess it's a
0: casting issue. I mean, it also is ex- explicated later that Andrews started in the shipyard at sixteen. So maybe so even though he's young, seems... he's more experienced, yeah. perhaps. But still,
1: um. Anyway, but. I do, you know, his point is well taken because he's like, all of their competitors are using this exact same steel and he's like, no ship that I know of has, you know, fallen Mm, apart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, in one of many, many to come, I'm sure, (laughs) uh, (laughs) heavy-handed, ironic line readings. I
0: mean, once you say Titanic prequel, there's no other alternative.
1: That's true. Next
0: we have a scene about the dangers of workplace banter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as a sort of piece of the keel or or some other structural yeah. thing is being lowered into place there is banter going on uh, i believe about drinking probably it's not
1: particularly like distracting banter it's not
0: that distracting however one of the workers turns his head to address the banter and as his head is turned the plate collapses in some way like Either something snaps or something like that and falls on his leg Mm -hmm. in horrific fashion.
1: Yeah. uh, Here is the blood. Yes. Referenced in the title. Yes. Uh, Really well done on this. There is a lot of corners cut, I think, on this series. Mm -hmm. Uh, What with the color saturation and everything. Yeah. But this is a very realistic looking like gash to the leg. And I mean, this guy, once they get the thing off of him. Mm hmm. He immediately just starts saying, oh, my God, my family. What about my family? Because, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. when you're in an untenable work situation with no health care or benefits. Mm -hmm. uh, You don't have time even as the injury is happening to you to cope with the injury. And, you know, one of his his, uh, buddies is like, no, 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 we'll take care of you. We'll take care of you. And I'm like, you know, that's cool. But it's not like you guys have a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, uh, universal health care. It's a great idea.
0: Indeed it is. What's not a good idea, however, is somebody says, Hey, Jack, go for the doctor. He runs up. Don't send Jack. Do
1: not send simple Jack for the doctor. He's going to
0: come back four hours later with a dog.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll <name> it Rivet. <laughs> I like how he's like Baldrick in my <laughs> imagination. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish this next scene had been a smash cut. (laughs) Right. Because it is so heavy-handed. It is. So we get a cut to uh, a shot of Rich Kitty's hand... Putting on a phonograph and then singing along badly yeah. to Mark Muir. She's like all decked out in like white furs yeah. and shit.
0: I have to say, phonographs are the universal Edwardian symbol of like decadence. It's true. Like every time it's like, look at these silly rich people. There's always, it always starts off with a phonograph and scratchy, Yeah.
1: you know. Have you got the new iPhoneograph, Dr. Muir? <laughs> They're all the rage in Paris. <laughs> Uh, this is I don't, this is interesting, though, because, like, Kitty, Rich Kitty, mm-hmm. is constantly, like, bitching about her, like, milieu. Right. And I'm like, you know, they probably don't like you either. <laughs> because the, the way that this, like, picnic is set up, they're, like, on a riverbank or near a mm-hmm. pond or some body of water that's yeah. owned by one of their parents, I'm sure. <laughs> And, you know, all the girls and all the boys are all, like, sitting off together, but she and Mark Muir are sitting over by the phonograph, Mm -hmm. you know, because they're being, you know, fucking hipsters or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. In true hipster fashion. (laughs) Yes. Muir turns down uh, the challenge from Ashley Barkley. Yes. uh, Well, I think
0: think Ashley and Barkley are two different people. Mm -mm. No.
1: They're the same person.
0: Because Barkley... But, well, anyway.
1: Ashley is a boy's name.
0: I'm not, I'm aware of that. Um, I, you made me watch Gone with... No, No, you it
1: is because Kitty called him Ashley. And they're, like, engaged or pre-engaged or something. Right. So she would well, call him Ashley, but his real last name is Barkley. So that's what his school friends call him.
0: Anyway, there's two twits. <laughs> 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 One of whom is Ashley and is the, you know, intended of Kitty... And so he's the one that he challenges Muir to a swimming race as punishment for talking to his girl or something. And as a test of manhood, I suppose.
1: Yeah. And Muir's like, I don't even swim, bitch.
0: Yeah. So, you know, game set Muir on that one. <laughs> uh, but Kitty informs him that she would have liked to see him get ready to swim, mm-hmm. by which she means take his clothes off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she wants I'm his... I'm sure
1: your body is exactly as stringy and pasty as those <laughs> clats.
0: She wants his steely body. <laughs> yes.
1: And his piercing blue microscope.
0: <laughs> yeah, but mainly she's into his non-upper-class Twittery mm-hmm. um, and his, you know, his real-world experience and all that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, and I got kind of annoyed the first time that we watched this, because she was like, oh, you know, I thought you had something of the real world about you. I don't know why she's Catherine Hepburn. (laughs) Uh, But he was like, "Uh, yeah. And I was like, bitch, what do you know about the real world? And she does admit immediately thereafter that she has very little experience with the real world. Yeah, no,
0: she's... As poor little rich girls go, she's reasonably self-aware about it.
1: But I st- I found it more grating the second time around, mm. for some reason. Yeah. I think it's because I'm shipping much harder on the near uh, vestry front. Right, right. And I'm like, no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, she says she couldn't handle throwing off, you know, the gilded cage, because she doesn't think she would cope very well with poverty. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he actually does kind of, like, try to encourage her i think a little you know like oh you know like come to the the piercing blue side <laughs> right but she's just kind of like um i don't think so like i'm courageous because you, know, you think oh nobody would ever call you timid and she's like i'm courageous here yeah but like you know people are like dying and shit in those
0: shipyards <laughs> right i don't want my leg to get cut off yeah
1: which to be fair nobody wants that. no nobody wants that yeah so rich kitty calls him poor Yeah, And that's pretty much the end of that scene. Mm -hmm.
0: Ashley lost the swimming race, by the way.
1: He wouldn't have if he hadn't caught his foot on that weed.
0: What a fucking baby.
1: No, it is interesting. I mean, I wish I knew more about the betrothal situation here. (laughs) Right, right. I guess we can talk about that more later. Yeah. Because I have questions about society.
0: Right. Well, we may learn more later. That's true. It's
1: also Belfast, not London.
0: True, true. Because,
1: you know, spoiler alert. We learn that uh, Rich Kitty is fairly promiscuous. Yeah. Like, more promiscuous than I would have thought possible. Indeed. Uh, So, like, points there. Yeah. But I'm just curious, sort of, in light of, you know, the perception of, like, Lady Mary being promiscuous, like, how does that that square Mm -hmm. with uh, society in Belfast?
0: Mm -hmm. So, at a pub, some old guy is reading The Shipbuilder.
1: One of the uh, publications of the day, along with the dissatisfied debutante and the lusty Italian lady, as
0: we'll see later. He sees a picture, uh, the one that was taken at the keel-laying ceremony, and I think that one.
1: Which he witnessed being taken.
0: Right. And uh, he looks thoughtful. So there you go. And old. He's like, oh, I remember when they took that picture.
1: (laughs) I was drunk.
0: (laughs) I'm drunk now. (laughs) Coincidence? (laughs) I love this magazine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Later, they just changed the name to SB.
0: <laughs> At the Silvestris, up in the sister's bedroom, uh, Violetta is reading a racy novel. Mm-hmm.
1: This is the first time I've liked Violetta.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she was
1: kind of a nag in the first episode. She was. she's got a little bit more to do here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, They they talk about boys, and they mm-hmm. talk about, you know... Uh, that, you know, who they're going to get married to or be married off to, as Violetta says. Yeah, she says
1: uh, Papa's going to marry her off to some bloody Italian before too long.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And apparently, according to Sophia, Michael McCann, labor leader, Mm -hmm. is interested in Violetta. Which is
1: interesting, because guess who's not at all interested in the labor movement? Yeah. Violetta. Yeah. Like, maybe it's his way of, like, separating his work and his personal (laughs) life, Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, and I mean, she therefore finds him boring, Mm. which, you know, I don't think he's
1: boring. I don't think he's that... I understand a bit better, like, he's very dedicated to the cause, which if you're trying to, like, date him and you're not super into it, yes. Right, right. And he's, like, I mean, he's... But he doesn't seem, like, that exciting. I think he's, like, the most attractive of the lower class guys that we see. Yeah, yeah. I think so. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's kind of boring.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, but yeah, Violetta reads a little passage out of a romance mm-hmm. novel, and Sophia's like, what would Father Thomas say? And she says, who do you think got me this book? And Sophia's like, what? And Violetta's like, got you. And they both laugh.
1: And then uh, Violetta becomes a stand-up comedian. And, uh, she gets booked on the Titanic uh, to perform, and the rest, as they say. Let's just
0: say the gig doesn't go well.
1: <laughs> she really died up there.
0: <laughs> But it was really noble. She continued telling jokes the whole time it sank. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> there, but for the grace of God. <laughs>
0: out in the street, Michael McCann is doing some recruiting for the union and passing out flyers and whatnot. And uh, the old guy is kind of loitering around. He sees Mark Muir walking along. I mean, you can't help but see him. You have to, like, shield your yeah, eyes like, from, the, the dark. from the blueness. Yeah, he's,
1: <laughs> like, glowing in the dark. Uh, I like the... The union is the National Union of Doc Laborers. Yeah. Or Noodle. (laughs) So you'd think Andrea would be a little bit more sympathetic.
0: Yeah, well... No, they called it that to try to win over the skeptical Italians, but... They're like, listen, Noodles are great, but they're not worth getting shot. (laughs) Speak uh, for yourself. (laughs) Yeah, not everybody agrees.
1: I know. I love... I love spaghetti more than anything. This is true. Yeah, more than you.
0: I've never asked you to choose between me and spaghetti.
1: I know. That's why our relationship works so well. <laughs> and spaghetti can't speak, so yeah. that's helpful, too. <laughs>
0: right. I do have some benefits. <laughs> yeah. Spaghetti would not do as good good of a job co-hosting this podcast.
1: Although I'd like to try it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the only podcast with a spaghetti (laughs) co-host. Recorded live, on top of spaghetti, (laughs) all covered with cheese.
0: Our equipment is ruined. (laughs) Well, this has been fun. It has been. Uh, So, at Carlton & Sons Electrical, they are being locked out, and... This is... Oh,
1: wait. Ashley may not be Barkley. I think Ashley was talking to Barkley. I think Ashley... No. I Kitty think... Carlton.
0: Right. Kitty Carlton. Ashley, I don't think it's Barkley because I think Barkley is the one that beat him in the swimming race. Okay. But anyway, listen. Uh, you know what, everybody? Just look up the characters yourself. because if you're relying on us, we, we're clearly...
1: We're no, we're no good.
0: Yeah. But anyway, Rich Dick comes out and... Hatton. Right.
1: That's Mr. Hatton. That's Mr. Hatton, Hatton, Hatton to you. Hatton, the elder.
0: Yes. And he tells them that they're going to stay locked out until every one of them forswears union membership.
1: And that is going to eat up a lot of their time. Like, <laughs> if they agreed to do that, that would take for fucking ever.
0: That That is true. But that he wants to, he wants to as he had said earlier, uh, send a strong message and show a firm mm-hmm. hand and all that sort of thing. Which, listen, listen, if you're ever advised to send a strong message or show firmness or show a strong hand know that you are being advised by an idiot yeah that is just not i mean there may be times to be strong or weak or you know whatever but not just for the sake of showing a strong hand like you need to think practically yeah dude. everyone like
1: you make more friends with cupcakes than union lockouts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's true if those are your two options, try the cupcakes.
1: You don't make friends with lockouts. You don't make friends with lockouts.
0: <laughs> so this new lockout has inspired Michael McCann. He is uh you know haranguing the workers at the Titanic Yard. They don't
1: even seem like they're paying attention.
0: Yeah, they're sort of standing around like, oh, another labor person yelling. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. Uh but he uh, he is essentially Wish we had
1: one of those high phonographs <laughs> that it showed him up.
0: Listen to me, and we'll soon all have
1: iPhonographs together as brothers. You know, my nephew, that monkey, <laughs> he could get us one cheap.
0: <laughs> so, anyway, he is in fact saying that they're going to go on strike in solidarity with uh, the, the Carlton workers. Peary and Andrews stroll on by, uh, apparently by sheer coincidence.
1: It seems that way.
0: But uh, they. But,
1: you know- that that's true I think they may have seen that there was a thing happening and Mm -hmm. you know we're like hey let's go look at the poor people getting mad
0: yeah but Peary goes up to McCann and it's notable how everybody takes their hats off
1: well because he's a lord because
0: he's a lord yeah and people in Britain care about that stuff which always surprises me I mean, um, it's
1: more than that. I mean, he's their boss. And well, I mean, right. I think I at the time it may have been required by law right. it's, to doff your cap in the presence of a lord.
0: Well, I think, I mean, it was, by law, a strong custom. And that's the part that's weird to me, just the fact of being a lord. Like, uh-huh. the fact that he's their boss. I get, that, I get that they all shut up and were respectful because mm-hmm. he runs the company. Uh, but in any case, he uh, goes up and talks to McCann and he says that they're not going to get locked out and he's not going to stop them from forming a union and he welcomes dialogue and just wants to make sure that it's uh, cordial and that it doesn't disrupt the work they're doing. He may
1: have wanted to mention this you know, several years back (laughs) I mean, I guess it's better that he's doing it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just it's a little... Well,
0: and to be fair it's only now, like if he had tried to do this sort of thing too soon his fellow rich people would have all turned on him Mm. You know, now he's sort of getting forced into it, and mm-hmm. you can tell them, "Listen, this is the only way we can we can get on top of this mm-hmm. situation." No, I mean, I, I I like the Peary and McCann scenes in this episode. Oh, I do too. Yeah, I'm
1: just saying. No, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm a little. I'm like, uh, open. Like your door is always open. Like since when? Right. <laughs> Not between four and five. <laughs> That's Peary's time. <laughs> uh
0: so. Pietro and Andrea are, uh, they're working, I don't know if they have their own sort of like workshop.
1: It looks like a workshop. There, It looks like they, they mold the plaster pieces in the workshop and then presumably they take them into the house mm-hmm. to actually install them.
0: Yeah, makes sense. But he uh, spends a few seconds visibly working up his nerve uh, and then asks Pietro for Sophia's hand in marriage. Uh, Pietro is delighted. He is looking forward to having another man in the family, he says.
1: Like, he's there all the time anyway, dude. Marry right. him yourself.
0: <laughs> that would most certainly be illegal.
1: <laughs> and he busts out some wine that he apparently, because like, he's like, shh. But then, like, the wine is literally, like, right there. Like, oh, have right. you been carrying it around in your pants? Like, what? <laughs> ah.
0: uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they drink it all the time. He just always says, shh, first. <laughs>
1: just a nervous dick. <laughs>
0: he he likes quiet when he's
1: drinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's apparently decent wine, though, because he makes, like, an approving face.
0: Mm, yeah. Uh, up in the uh, drawing office, Muir is making a beeline for Sophia. As, Again. As he is wont to do. Uh, but Andrews diverts him from his quest uh, to inform him that the Board of Trade has said that the steel is fine and meets all their regulations, which Amir is naturally huffy about and is like oh well who who's the board of trade? the steel companies oh no you know no wonder their own steel meets their own regulations
1: This could have been really clunky, but I think they handled it really well
0: agreed and it's you know it's a very i mean that is a very common problem of governance, mm-hmm. you know it's called regulatory capture where you know, the people that care the most about any regulations are the people that are supposed to be affected by mm-hmm. it, and so they always can exert more pressure than the general public that's supposed to be protected, and it's you know, it's just sort of an inherent problem in in government. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah, it, it was actually kind of nice. Uh, then uh, out in the out in the shipyard, Peary is sort of reassuring Mirror that this is you know that it's going to be fine that this is just the way it is and it's it's going to be that way and that the
1: steel is fine right it's in the title what could go wrong
0: <laughs> right it's it's nothing could possibly go wrong <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> you know and he says that I know that you're worse I know that you're used to being in the military and getting the highest standards for everything but this is a business and he says that Andrew's You know, he's been working in this shipyard since he was 16. He doesn't... He's not just chief designer because he's my nephew, which we hadn't known he was his nephew. I'm
1: not sure that he is. I... I feel it could go either way. Like, either he's his nephew or he's not.
0: Okay, okay. Like, either he's saying... All right.
1: He's not my nephew. You know, semi-colon. That is why he is chief designer, because he worked hard Uh in the shipyard. Yeah, he didn't... Or he's saying... He is my nephew. Also, he is a hard worker.
0: Right. Okay. I guess that could be true. Well, that's something that we could presumably find. I don't get out. a
1: familial vibe. Well, from I didn't
0: that. either. That's. I mean, I was very surprised by that line because I didn't think I. You
1: know. I. I lay a dollar. Oh. That he's not. Well. His nephew.
0: Since we have a joint checking account, this works out pretty well either way. Oh.
1: Well. <laughs> But I like winning. (laughs) You still might. I have a joint checking account.
0: (laughs) Everybody wins. (laughs) Off in poor town, some children are running aimlessly along.
1: Enjoy your vim and vigor now, children, because with the way these lockouts are going, you're not going to eat for a couple weeks.
0: Well, they're apparently too poor to afford, like, a ball or a can or anything, because they're just running.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, they were yelling for their dad.
0: Oh, were they? Okay. I think
1: so. So I think they were going home to see their dad.
0: Okay. That makes sense, because it looked to me like a game, but okay. No, they were just, they were
1: locomoting. (laughs) Yes. They don't have velocipedes, Tom. (laughs) They're poor. It's poor town.
0: That's, you're right. At the McCann residence, the labor gang is hanging out talking labor. And uh, Walter is warning Michael to be, like, you know, very careful in this meeting with Peary that, you know, it could be some sort of ruse. And Michael is like, duh. I'm well aware of that. Give me a break.
1: I, uh, Walter, like, I know Walter Mm -hmm. really well as a type. Yeah. He's an annoying person. He
0: is an annoying person. Suddenly, Connor arrives. Who's Who? Connor, you ask? He is the uh, the long-lost McCann brother, as it turns out. Yeah,
1: and uh, their mom actually looks a lot like Anna Gunn also. <laughs> yeah, that's so well true. well done, central casting. Connor looks nothing like either of his other siblings. True. They're both kind of esque. Yeah.
0: He's,
1: you know, not. He's
0: not. Um, but in any case, uh, the mom and Anagon both very excited to see Connor. It was a complete surprise. Uh, Michael... Not so excited.
1: Like, at all. At
0: all. Uh, I'm
1: very excited to find out the backstory here, because I really do like Michael McCann a lot as a character. Yeah,
0: I do, too. And, uh, well, certainly what we learn is that Connor has been in the British Army and that he was discharged for striking an officer. Um, He does not
1: give a reason why he struck the officer.
0: No. So, certainly, well, certainly the two of them could be on different sides, on the whole irish question in some way or another
1: if he wasn't the british army
0: right so that's a possibility but and
1: apparently he didn't write the entire time he was gone yes he Anna Gunn says something like uh you know oh you didn't write any letters and he's like oh then i'll let you write when you're in the clink and his brother's like you didn't write at all right when you weren't in the clink so yeah you know shut up you nod ginger <laughs> yes yeah well
0: i think it could be uh uh you know connor's the older brother that everybody always loved and has been like irresponsible Mm-mm. is he younger mm-hmm. well then in any case the brother that everybody always loved and you know had an excuse to be or license to be sort of irresponsible uh-huh. and everybody still thought he was charming
1: maybe i didn't think he was that great but whatever
0: well i didn't either but clearly the mother and sister did and violetta yes
1: lights up like a damn christmas tree as soon as he walks in
0: yes so you know yeah, Violetta super excited about this new development.
1: Very much so. Yeah.
0: Lord Peary is sitting in his study, um, has some thinking brandy with him, mm-hmm. and is thinking. And his wife comes in.
1: It's Lady Skunkhead! <laughs>
0: it she's is. back! It is Lady in Skunkhead. In advisor form! She is, uh, you know, she's like Cruella de Vil, except, you know, nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... She is
1: really nice. I'm yeah. glad she's back. I hope she's around more.
0: Yeah. Um because she's, you know, she asks what he's brooding about um and he talks about the strikes that've been going on and that sort of thing and and she says that this is a good thing and that they can't call themselves open-hearted, fearless liberals if they're going to, you know, sort of turn their back on the lower classes when they need it. Uh so, you know, wow. Again,
1: well-handled show. Yeah. Really good job. Mhm.
0: It's cool. It is cool.
1: As, uh, you know, open-hearted, fearless liberals ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Trying to be.
0: Eh, we do our best. I
1: don't think we're rich enough.
0: Is is that how it works? Right? right. Rich
1: people are liberals and poor people are conservatives. Right?
0: <laughs> that is not my understanding.
1: <laughs> JK.
0: <laughs> Indeed, politics cross class lines, as we discover in the very next scene. Indeed.
1: But let us not forget that he says that uh, J.P. Morgan is pleased with the progress. Yes. But that is not the question I want answered. How is his mustache handling it?
0: Right. It's very important. We get
1: no mustache in this episode. I know. Nor any Nev Campbell.
0: No. The only thing, we got a shot of him in the credits, which is fine, mm-hmm. but that's not nearly enough mustache.
1: No. We need more mustache. Here, here. Somebody engage Murray, for God's sake.
0: <laughs> Less beard, more mustache. Word. Yep. Uh, But the next scene is at a uh, a labor meeting at the Noodle Hall. And... No one's eating noodles. (laughs) FYI. Right. And there is introduced as a guest speaker, Constance Markovitz. (gasps) Hey! Who listeners may recall from a previous Tom Repeats history as a, you know, Irish radical. She was a a countess, Mm -hmm. I believe, who became radicalized and was a big labor supporter and in the Irish independence... And everything. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it was exciting to see her in action. She's
1: kind of what I think uh, Rich Kitty maybe would like to be.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, she
1: doesn't appear to be hurting for money. Right. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Maybe if Rich Kitty can get her shit together. Right. But uh, she's played by Jolie Richardson, sister of the late Natasha Richardson, Mm -hmm. R.I.P., Pour one out. Yeah, yeah. I'm still really sad about that, by the way. I'm aware. Uh, You know, niece of Lynn Redgrave, daughter of Vanessa Redgrave. Great shit. Yeah. Well done, Blood and Steel. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Yes. And also well done on the speech she gives.
0: Indeed. She gives a speech. She's happy to be there with the working people of Belfast, and she wants to particularly address the women. She says that they're the forefront of the revolution, and in particular, she says that they need to... You know, stop trying to be nice, Mm -hmm. you know, basically, Um, and to not be, you know, sort of uh, not not to follow the wrong ideals of womanhood or, or, you know, and false ideas Mm -hmm. and trying to get on the soft side of men and counting on that ability, but instead to believe in their own dignity and And worth as human and and worth as human beings. Yeah.
1: Up yours downstairs wholeheartedly signs off on the views of this fictionalized version Of Constance Markovitz. Absolutely. It's awesome.
0: It was very, very awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She gets gets a standing ovation, and rightly so. Mm -hmm. And in particular, we really see, you know, the women, like, totally, like, just lighting up. Well, look,
1: this is the problem with lack of representation for, uh, you know, minority populations in media. Right. You know, and not just media, but, you know, public forums and things like that. Mm -hmm. Because, you know... For whatever reason, that's how we are. And, you know, we need to see people like us doing well in order to do well ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always get really excited when I see, like, a lady that, you know, reminds me of me. Mm -hmm. Like this scene.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah, so the show is establishing itself not only as pro-labor, but also pro-woman. Yeah. Uh, not just with this scene, but I think the scene between the the sisters, Silvestri, mm-hmm. was really well done. Yeah. Like, I want to say it passed the Bechdel test, kind of, even though it kind of didn't. Like, they were talking about men and, like, getting married. Yeah. But it was so clear that it was with all this, like, agency. Like, I, you know, they may not even have that agency in their lives. Right, but, like, right. like... You know, they were discussing their happiness and what they wanted for their futures. Yeah. And I thought that was really well done. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. When also establishing Violetta as a character who has sexual desire and, like, not shaming her for that.
0: Well, and I would also add that it it passes the Bechdel test, at least because there was... It was a brief conversation between Anna Gunn and Sophia that was just about the labor that was going on. So...
1: I mean, no, I think the show as a whole passes it.
0: Yeah. Somewhere in poor town, Beard O'Reilly is walking along and... He's got he's got some Italian bro hanging out with him.
1: I think he's a fence.
0: Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um because he's he's basically trying to talk him out of getting married. Uh, because but,
1: Irish girls love Italian guys. Apparently so. I mean look though, he's not gonna do any better than Sophia Silvestri. She's not if she'll have him. That lady is gorgeous.
0: She is.
1: <laughs> but you know what, I did sympathize with him a little bit in this scene. Mm-hmm. Because for the first time, we really get an impression from him at how miserable he is. Because yeah. he says, like, she's the reason that he gets up in the morning and mm-hmm. then she makes his life seem like maybe it won't be so bad. Yeah. And we already know in that the, he really hates living in Ireland. Yeah,
0: I mean, he says in this miserable town mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of gray and depressing.
1: I mean, even Violetta doesn't want to marry this guy. Yeah. Because you think that would have come up. Like, I don't think... Did they even talk about him in their bedroom scene? I don't think they did. No. Like, yeah. everybody's like, maybe he'll just go away. Yeah. And he's like the Italian Eeyore. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's the Bates of this show.
0: <laughs> he, he he is. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that convinces this bro that, that he's serious about it. And he offers him a ring. For £3.12.
1: Which we don't really get a good gander at, so we're not really sure what it looks like. Yeah,
0: but it seemed alright. Like, like, we got a glimpse.
1: I mean, he seemed really impressed by it. Yeah, indeed. And, I mean, he does seem like a person of discerning taste.
0: Right. Yeah, I can see that. At the Hattons, they're apparently on short rations there because the uh, whiny shit son is, like, saying that he doesn't, he, he doesn't like the food he's getting and he should get more. Mm-hmm. And the dad's like, well, it's, you know, it's hard times because there's no money coming in because he's locked all his workers out.
1: But isn't uh, Piercing Blue Microscope giving them money to board there?
0: You would think.
1: Which I would assume they're charging him more than would be adequate to feed them for a week.
0: I guess. You know, I don't know. And also, uh, that little shit is earning some money somehow. He says he's the only one that's earning. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, but, you know, Old Hatton says that it's going to keep going until these striking bastards learn sense. And Mm -hmm. he is lectured for his use of language. Yes. Um, Muir arrives apologizing for being a bit late. Uh, Sorry, just
1: busy thinking about steel.
0: (laughs) That is almost certainly true. Uh, but he, a letter has come for him. And everybody stares at him until he opens it in front of them. And they all get to find out what it's about. Like, it was... Like,
1: the Yelp reviews on this joint have got <laughs> to be one
0: star at best. At best. Yeah.
1: Again, what advantage does this have over that hotel he was it at? It
0: was a nice hotel!
1: It was a nice hotel... Centrally located to his place of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to cast aspersions about Mrs. Hatton's cooking, but, like <laughs> the company you have to keep there. It's just yeah. like what is this place?
0: Yeah. Um, but he has been invited to the races by Lady Carlton, which. Uh, so he gets extra food because of that or something? Did he?
1: No, I think well, just. It-
0: or, or just because he's the guest or whatever. I just know that the scene ended with that little shit, like, staring enviously at the food he was getting. But I
1: think he was also mad because he got to go to the races.
0: That, uh, that makes sense. I think
1: there's definitely some issues there that are, I hope will be explored because, like, this guy has lived in Belfast his whole life, mm-hmm. you know, has been working, performing an actual function mm-hmm. at uh, Harlan and Wolf. Mm-hmm. Whereas this guy appears to have just been hired for no reason other than J.P. Morgan's mustache willed (laughs) itself.
0: Yeah. What the mustache wants, the mustache
1: gets. (laughs) Whatever mustache wants, mustache gets. A little (laughs) muir, little mustache wants you. I'm so sorry, everyone. Yeah. Try and get that visual out of your mind.
0: (laughs) Please do. (laughs) <laughs> A good place to do that might be the races.
1: Hey, where That's, we're introduced with upbeat jazz music, yeah. which I like so much better than that downbeat jazz. Music.
0: <laughs> it's true, <laughs> um, but yeah, there's uh, there's all sorts of games that are actually it's, it's really similar to the various carnivals that Downton Abbey is. Uh, been as well
1: as the specifically the one in Mary Poppins,
0: yes, yes, indeed. Uh, there's uh, some Ricky Jay looking guy running one of the booths. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess like the British Ricky oh, Jay. Oh, so that's
1: what happened to Ricky Jay after he left <laughs> Deadwood. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was thinking it was just his British equivalent, oh. you know, like Richard to But he
1: left like 20 years prior. Yeah, that's true. So think about that for a minute. All right. Actually, I think it was more than 20 years. Listen. Read all about it in my crossover <laughs> fanfic, What Happened to Ricky J After He Left Deadwood. <laughs>
0: there, there, you, you may come up with a better title at some point.
1: Well, it's a work in progress. <laughs> it's in beta.
0: Uh, Samir so arrives uh, and says hello to Kitty, uh, says it was nice of her mother to invite him, and she says it was nice of her to tell her mother to invite him. Which like uh, mean,
1: the impuretious little git, isn't she?
0: Uh, rather so, yes. Uh, And the whole labor gang is also at the races. Not uh,
1: hanging out in the special private tent No From which the iPhoneograph is blaring the jazz music
0: <laughs> Yes uh, But they're all the A few of them have placed bets And they're all gathering around the rail uh, Connor bet on Lady Guinevere While Michael McCann bet on Carmel, Carmel Nugget
1: Which is the most delicious horse name I've ever heard
0: Indeed it is They all laugh at him for betting on Carmel Nugget Yes Which uh, I don't know Like do they actually know horses Or do they just think it's a silly name I don't they know They would
1: have had the odds posted Though, right?
0: Well, that's tr- Yeah, yeah. So Connor we, seems
1: to have uh, picked, you know, a yeah, more likely winner. That's
0: have. true. We actually do see the odds board at one point, but I didn't, like, pause and take a close look I at it. I don't
1: think it was even that visible.
0: Yeah, it was, it was in the background, but it was there.
1: Mm. Also, like the races they went to on Manor House. Yeah. And they're off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the race starts Kitty uh, makes fun of her father to Mirror. You know, rather, rather uh, severe fun of her father.
1: She says that he's making a fool of himself, which, to be fair, he kind of is. He
0: kind of is,
1: but also that he's more interested in the sex life of his horses than his own, mm-hmm. which, again, very racy talk. Yeah. from anyone. Yeah, much less you know the daughter of a nobleman who's got a horse in like literally has a <laughs> horse in this race. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> uh, but Lady Guinevere does in fact win.
1: Because the rich just keep getting richer, don't they?
0: They, they do. And uh, Connor keeps getting richer. And Violetta is hanging all over him. Jeez. Yeah, he's...
1: Michael tells him that since he's won, he's uh, got to get ice creams for everybody. Mm-hmm. So he goes off and Violetta's like, oh, I'll come with you. And then Michael's like, wait a second. <laughs> so then he goes off after them. Yeah. And uh, Anna Gunn's hanging out with Walter.
0: Yeah, he, uh, he frowns on drink and gambling. He thinks they're the, you know, the vices of the working class. and
1: I thought he was being sarcastic. Oh, I... I'm pretty sure he's being sarcastic. We see him drinking a beer uh, the, when they're at Jack Kelly's. Fair
0: enough. Well, because he said he didn't bet on the race, mm-hmm. but okay. Mm. No, that's, that's...
1: Andrea says he didn't bet on the race. Oh okay. And then when Walter All right. says that back to him okay. it's like that's why Anna All right. Okay.
0: So okay. Well that that makes more sense. I mean Walter seems like the kind of guy that might frown on drinking mm-hmm. and gambling, but okay, I stand corrected. Andrea asks Sophia to go for a walk
1: mm-hmm. as he so
0: often does. And uh
1: God, somebody invent TV already.
0: <laughs> yes, we don't hear like, you know, ominous minor chords playing when he says that, but <laughs> we should. <laughs> Kitty is not finished mocking her father. Mm-hmm. Uh, she continues to do so as sh- she walks along with Mir to the stable uh, to see a horse. I guess
1: she says she's going to introduce him to Lady Guinevere. Ah, uh, yes, because like horses are people,
0: <laughs> right? Well, it would just be—it's just been so awkward up till this point as they have not been properly introduced.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Please call me Guinevere. <laughs> Lady Guinevere is my mother. <laughs>
0: Uh, yes. However, Lady Guinevere is not there, and uh, Kitty jumps mirror, like, hardcore.
1: This is, like, this is like 1990s riot girl level jumping up the boat. Yeah. Like, they undo his pants. Yeah. And I think they have, like, penetrated. Like,
0: they... Look, it happens very quickly, because she's like, oh, aren't you going to kiss me? And he's like, uh, but you're not made of steel. And... <laughs> 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 and so she kisses him for about three seconds then jams her hand down his pants and gets going mm-hmm. like it is
1: no and hikes her skirt up and then they're pretty you know close if not in fact doing it yeah uh,
0: uh but
1: then mirror spots something over her shoulder and it's <laughs> liam it's liam bringing lady Guinevere back to the stall
0: yes and moreover liam because i think he like says something or clears his throat or something, but when they t- t- spin around and see him, he is, like, leaning on a stable. Mm-hmm. Like, he clearly, like, took in the scene for a few seconds mm-hmm. before announcing his presence.
1: And, uh, without skipping a beat, uh, Rich Kitty is like, oh, well, let's go get a drink. <laughs> yeah. And here is, like, I need to put my dick back in my pants. <laughs> right. This leads to our favorite part of this entire episode. Which <laughs> 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 just, just Liam... Watching your his <laughs> dip dick back in his pants. And he gives him a really approving nod. Yeah. He's like, good job, buddy. Uh, yeah.
0: It was a fantastic nonverbal moment.
1: But again, how does she get away with this?
0: But, I mean, what's Liam going to do? Liam can't tell it. He works for her.
1: Well, yeah, but, you know, fucking Downton Abbey and stuff. Um, well,
0: I mean, you know.
1: You know, I don't think Liam's going to tell anybody, but it's like, how many times has she pulled this let's go meet Lady Guinevere stunt? You know what I mean? Like, people would notice, wouldn't they?
0: Possibly. Well, one thing I'll say is, not only is it not England, it's not the country, either. Mm. They're in a city. That's true. And, you know, that, generally speaking, means looser restrictions on this sort of thing.
1: I guess so. It's just that Mary was shunned when she went to, to London. And I don't know how much that had to do with, like, the other country families who were there or, like, what the deal is. Yeah, that's true. I mean... I'm fully willing to believe that the restrictions were looser in Belfast. Also fully willing to believe that urban people would have been more in line with, you know, Edward's sort of mm mores and, like, the way that he was conducting himself. Yeah. I'm just curious how this all squares with her intended marriage to Blandy McBlanderton. Well,
0: it's not intended by her.
1: I know it's not intended by her, but she can't not do it. I mean, she just basically said that.
0: Yeah. Well, and I'm also willing to say that this may well be completely anachronistic, too. Like, this may not be.
1: I'm sure that Stars had a series of notes (laughs) uh, that all basically boiled down to uh, this is Stars. (laughs) Right. People need to be having sex. We have a reputation to (laughs) maintain here. Yeah. Anyway, great scene. Yeah. Liam, you're your cousin of the week <laughs> uh, in terms of people that were actually like in the show. Right. You in can, terms
0: of, in terms of fictional characters,
1: you can approvingly head nod at us anytime.
0: <laughs> Next we have a scene entitled A Walk with a Beard.
1: Uh listen. We've all learned from Anne of Green Gables the sequel, do not propose on a bridge. <laughs> Just don't do it.
0: Well, Andrea has not learned that lesson yet.
1: That's true. Megan Follows wasn't even born. <laughs> he tells
0: Sophia that they've they've spent some time together and they've grown very fond of each other, to which Sophia is like, uh, excuse me? Yeah. Well,
1: because he asked her when they're walking through the bridge. He's like, oh, are you happy? She's like, yeah. Yeah. You know, she just keeps like, she's just like, uh, just keep swimming. Yeah. <laughs> One day it'll all end. Like, who do you think is more suicidal, <laughs> Sophia or Andrea?
0: Well, we may well find out.
1: That's a good point. <laughs>
0: uh, yes, because uh, he he proposes to her. Uh, we then cut to Pietro's kitchen.
1: This is. I think that they must. Either like the McCann's mother must run a boarding house, or, or something. something.
0: Yeah, because Mrs. McCann is there hanging out,
1: and she's explaining something about tea.
0: Well, she's offering some sort of tips for back pain.
1: Oh, yeah. I don't. Oh, I rem- just heard lemon, and I was like, "Well, well <laughs> tea. I get it.
0: You're we get pretty- it. You love tea." <laughs> Jesus.
1: <laughs> Mark Muir comes in. You rang? <laughs> you know, tea kettles are made of steel. <laughs> Steal, steal, (laughs) steal Anyway
0: Sofia comes home uh, In not a good mood And informs Pietro that She has turned Andrea down Uh, Pietro is Stunned and says that she has Disgraced their family Mm -hmm. Or him, she says she has disgraced him Boy,
1: work is going to be so awkward Tomorrow
0: (laughs) Yeah I mean, we may well see it.
1: Ooh, I hope so.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, because we don't, uh, we don't see in this episode at any point Andreas, you know, processing of his rejection. So that's, that's true. We'll we'll see how that turns out.
1: Maybe he'll decide to devote himself to the labor cause.
0: Uh, I, that seems unlikely. It does seem
1: unlikely, but I thought maybe, just maybe.
0: I think he may devote himself to kidnapping Sophia. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, Sophia says that she will marry who she wants, when she wants, if she wants to marry at all. Mm -hmm. So, uh, way to find your inner dignity as a human. Like, well done. It's exciting. I'm I'm
1: looking forward to seeing what happens to her. I hope it's not getting kidnapped.
0: Right. I I don't really think that, but... Yeah,
1: and Violetta's just kind of awkwardly standing there. She's like, (laughs) oh, I got a new boyfriend. (laughs) He's not Italian.
0: But uh, if it if it helps, his brother doesn't like it. <laughs> Kicked out of the army—that's a good sign, right? So McCann has at this point taken advantage of Peary's open door and is talking with him in his office. You know, they're they're having you know basic labor discussions, mm-hmm. and and you know McCann is saying they're not they're not going to give they're going to have the right to strike, and they're not going to give up that right if events warrant, and if things in the town don't get better. Uh, And Piri's like, you know, I can't take that away from you, but just, you know, if you destroy this, you know, if you destroy this shipyard, then yeah, if Titanic doesn't get delivered, that could destroy this shipyard. Yes, that will destroy employers, but it's going to destroy you too, you know.
1: And then that son of a bitch Mm -hmm. actually says Pyrrhic victory. He does. He actually says it. He says it. I (laughs) cannot. I do not understand how you hire Derek Jacoby to play a character named Peary and then actually make him say Pyrrhic Victory. Like we had a lot of fun oh, right. in the last episode making puns on Pyrrhic Victory. Yeah. He's saying it here with a straight face.
0: Yeah, like our fun has been ruined.
1: Oh uh, but not, uh it has been ruined and this is a very by the numbers you know yeah yeah uh the dark knight prisoner throwing <laughs> that remote out the window bullshit sure. uh let's not even talk about that
0: yeah but uh yeah because he he starts to explain what pyrrhic victory means and michael mccann demonstrates that he knows full well both its name and historical context uh, context yes yeah. Uh, and basically what Michael says is that, you know, he's basically saying that he wants workers' comp. Yeah. You know, that that, you know, that, that a single injury can put a whole family into the poorhouse. And
1: Derek J.K.B. looks genuinely surprised to learn this. Yeah. And it just, I don't know, it just baffles me. Like, how much of income equality, you know, even today, is just the fact that people with resources haven't even thought about yeah. how terrible it is for people who don't have resources mm-hmm. when they have an injury or something like that. I mean, it's, yeah. anyway, we're not going to get into this
0: Well, video, right, right, right.
1: But anyway. Yeah, the show uh, will handle the politics for us. Yes. Yeah. Guess what? Poor people, they need money. <laughs>
0: right. That's by definition.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do have Derek, my version of Derek Jacoby's subtext when McCann says about the poor house, he's like, the what house? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs> Like don't you all live in poor houses You're poor That's the, the you know At the poor cemetery <laughs> I'm so sorry
1: <laughs> I just, What are you gay <laughs>
0: right, right The uh, the old guy is <sighs> hanging out And Mir comes up uh, Or vice versa whatever They meet there at the cemetery uh, The old guy tells Mir that he got his note
1: and Muir's like, oh, that note wasn't for you. It was for Steel. <laughs> I wanted Steel to come meet <laughs> me.
0: Have you seen Steel around anywhere? <laughs> um, uh, Muir wants to know if old guy's been hiding, and he says something like it's more complicated than that, or hiding from Muir.
1: I impregnated a teenager, and <laughs> I'm on the run.
0: <laughs> Have you heard of Jack the Ripper? <laughs> 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 Let's just say neither of I, wink.
1: <laughs> Give King Edward my regards. <laughs> wink.
0: Where do the prostitutes hang out in this city? Do you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> we do.
0: We we do. It
1: was on the street that he apparently used to live on where yeah. that impregnated teenager was.
0: Yes. So my theory that this old guy Is Jack the Ripper Just got a, a little weaker
1: <laughs> Maybe he's just avoiding His former haunts
0: No that's fair he's, He he had his fill Of murdering prostitutes <laughs> <laughs> you everybody, know?
1: everybody hopes That one day They'll just wake up And no longer have The desire to kill prostitutes <laughs> And it happened for him
0: Yeah well you know you In just 1911 get, You just get older You don't have the energy You know you just punch a maid Once in a while And call <laughs> it a day <laughs>
1: Up here downstairs. Is they violence against women of any uh profession.
0: Right. This is true. So anyway, <laughs> Muir and this old guy who is perfectly normal <laughs> go to a tea shop. Uh, uh Muir fills him in a bit on what he's doing there. He's a metallurgist. His dad's uh dad's
1: like, what is that, gay? <laughs> right.
0: Uh he explains it and the the dad establishes that he's there working on the Titanic in a management position. Uh and he asks if they know he's Catholic, and he's like, uh no. And the guy's like, Well, uh they don't like Catholics. Uh, news newsflash. <laughs> but
1: he seemed kind of pleased that he had kind of insinuated himself there.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's his father. Like well, which we all basically yeah. knew, but it is officially and, this you know. This is
1: also the blood of the title. <laughs> uh, uh, eh, uh, 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 yeah. Sanguinity. <laughs> uh and, I mean, you know, clearly his dad was reading The shipbuilder. You know, he's an old ship hand.
0: Right, right. Um, and, and he's, but, yeah, and he's pleased to see Mir doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, Mir asks him how he's been doing and how he's been living, and he rather pointedly doesn't answer the question.
1: See, there's this old woman. She lives in a shoe. <laughs> She's got so many children. She doesn't know what to do. So I uh, live there and I rough the kids up every once in a while. <laughs> Keep them in line.
0: <laughs> Get paid in shoes.
1: In old back copies of the Shipbuilder.
0: <laughs> my only entertainment.
1: The one I read with your picture in it is five years old. Mark, we've got to go back. Back to the future. I don't know. What
0: has to us? It makes sense in my head. <laughs> Well
1: (laughs) (laughs) this seems like an appropriate (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Perhaps fortuitously. Laughing hysterically for no
0: reason. No reason whatsoever.
1: We hope you've enjoyed this recap (laughs) of episode two of Titanic BS Stain Steel. (laughs) Right. Uh yeah, so we'll be back in two weeks with episode three, which I'm sure has a totally unfunny title. I
0: would imagine so. Uh
1: until next time, up up
0: yours yours downstairs. downstairs.
1: Luncheon out.